0: Hi, and welcome to the ACO Show. I'm Brian Chiklinski, joined as always by my insightful co-host, Dr. Josh Israel. Hey, Josh.
1: Insightful, I like that. Hi, Brian. <laughs> uh, our guest today was Sachin Gangupantula. He is the Director of Operations at a practice in Modesto, California. His practice is in Allidade, and uh, happy to talk to him. He uh, had some really good things to say about what an ACO has done for his practice, what are the tools and data that that he got that he wouldn't be able to do otherwise, and just the way that. He and his wife, who is the, the physician who runs the practice, have, have harnessed the accountable care system to try to provide better care for their patients.
0: Yeah, he just provides such a great range of insights on what it's like to be a practice entering these models. And he is, as we note in the episode, recognized by Modesto Chamber of Commerce as the small business of the year. I think it's also a really great reminder, not only to celebrate Sachin and, his, his, and Dr. G and their team and the care that they're providing their patients in Modesto but to recognize the fact that these are small businesses that are actually working to find ways to keep serving their patients and their communities and to you know, just meet the, the general challenges of running a business in today's environment. I think he talks a little bit about the challenges that folks are facing in the, the healthcare marketplace overall and, and how practices are, are dealing with it and how value-based care models can help, but also you know the, the limitations that they run up against. Here we go.
1: We are joined now by Sachin Gangupantula, who is the Director of Operations at Valley Diabetes and Obesity in Modesto, California. It's a town in the Central Valley of California, about 100 miles west of San Francisco, where his wife, Dr. Gopika Gangupantula, or Dr. G, as she's called, is the physician. Uh, Welcome, Sachin. Thank you, Dr. Israel. Uh, So you are part of the Allidade Accountable Care Organization, and we want to hear all about your work. In the first place, what made you join an accountable care organization? What, what appealed to you about that?
2: So we are a relatively a younger practice. We started six years ago. And um, the challenge for us has always been about how to balance providing care for the patients, but also able to sustain and grow the practice. And as we started the practice, you know, being a newer one, growing organically is a challenge. But at the same time, we had to rely on volume, so to speak, to get the patients indoors. One of the things that we have noticed over the years is in terms of the transparency we have, in terms of providing the whole person care. Dr. G, uh, her philosophy has always been about focusing on the whole person care for the patients. And as, as passionate as she's about diabetes, she's a diabetologist, a specialist in diabetes. I think that's The perfect example of a disease that needs providers to really care for the patient in a whole perspective because it touches so many different aspects on the mental health. We have the kind of food and and diet and exercise that they need to really take for. So, the challenge has been that we have not been able to really provide the level of care that we wanted and still be able to take care of enough patients. So, I was looking at models where we are making an impact on the overall health of the patient, especially with diabetes, but not able to find a way to really um, get reimbursed for those models in that way. So, we are keeping patients away from hospitals. We're keeping patients well maintained so their kidney disease is well controlled. All of those are impactful to the, you know, extending the life of the patient, but not necessarily getting compensated for it. Uh, the result being that. You know, every time she spends 45 minutes with a diabetes patient, well, I can't see more patients. So one of the models I was looking at very early on was to see beyond the paper performance models where we were incentivized for certain measures. I was looking at other models which were really focused on the outcomes and keeping the patient healthy. So ACOs, the Carnival Care Organizations, were definitely something that fit into the model. Unfortunately, we only had one such organization in in the Valley at that time, which was in 2018 or so. And we ended up signing up with them, but unfortunately it didn't work out. The organization wasn't mature enough and we didn't have good tools. There was lack of transparency in terms of how the governance was working. We didn't have the whole lot of patient data we were looking for to make the right choices or to even do an outreach to our patients. So after a year and a half or so, I did terminate the contract because I wanted to find another organization or a model that would be better suited for our needs. And um, that's when, you know, in late 2019, early 2020, I came across Allidade. And um, I was glad I was the first one in the county to join Alliedate. And it's been a great run so far. In fact, I've convinced almost 12 practices to join us as well. I'd love to... Get a sense of, of where you are now. How has
0: the ACO and Aladdin in particular, but just being in this value based care arrangement, how has it helped your practice and how has it helped you serve those patients who are coming with these very, as you point out, these very clinically complex needs to, to your practice?
2: Yes, I think um, one of the things, I mean, just giving you an example, you know, in terms of our challenges we had with the previous uh, carnal care organization, several of the practices kind of were burned in a way in terms of that experience, right? So they kind of said, you know what, I don't want to get into ACOs or economic calculations. But I also realized that every provider in the Valley that I've, you know, been in touch with were doing the right things, you know, in terms of taking care of patients, in terms of addressing any post-hospitalization concerns, etc. But they were not necessarily... Growing in terms of revenue or getting compensated for keeping the patients away from the hospitals or controlling those diseases, right? And all I had to really kind of look into this model was to really look at saying, hey, how does Alleridate help us to do better at what we're already doing and be, you know, reimbursed for that or actually, you know, rewarded for that, right? So one of the things that I really enjoyed working with Alleridate was really the role of a PTS. I think the practice transformation specialists, as they're called, helps practices kind of understand all of the workflows we have, whether it's a scheduling annual wellness visits or what is the relevance of it in terms of getting an overall perspective of the health and where they are. Transition care management, especially focusing on what we need to really do when the patient is discharged. And opportunities where we can actually manage the overall complexity of the patient. And that's how you can be ahead of the curve in terms of providing the care. So that's definitely been, I think that the resource has been great primarily on that perspective. The other one that I really, on a day-to-day basis, the, the staff and Dr. G benefit is really is from the full summary of where, what the patient is looking at right so daily huddle sheet that we print every day it gives us a perspective of where the patient has been which specialists the patient are seeing oh he was in urgent care two days ago and and that's a challenge we still continue to have outside of medicare patients but the preventative care has been a great priority for us even before participating with Allidate the challenge however is knowing where the patient has been and whether they've actually done some of those preventative care screenings, for example. So what we're able to do with the, with the daily huddle sheet really is to get a good picture of everywhere the patient has been, what are the risks that we are currently seeing of the patient, and we've also trained the staff on the aspects where they can help us, especially about the preventive screenings, for example. That's a great example. We do a, a lot of referrals especially for diabetes patients because they go to cardiologists, nephrologists and understanding that they're actually going there is also important for us. Um, So that's definitely um, has been a huge help. And the third component really is is helping us to kind of look at uh, as a small practice, you know, for us growth is important, but at the same time is, is giving us the shared savings is giving us a motivation to train the staff as well the right way. So they are motivated to help us do certain things. helping Dr. G in taking care of those things, scheduling annual wellness visits as soon as you get a notification about transition care or discharges, what they do to make sure the patients are coming in. So I think overall, those are the top three. Now, there are other things Allidate has been helping us to kind of grow the practice as well, but I think these jump out right up and every practice can benefit from these.
1: Well, Sachin, you're obviously doing something right. I know that you were recently honored by your local chamber of commerce as the Small Business of the Year. And I think the language was for your innovation, excellent customer service, and contributions to building a healthier Modesto community. So congratulations on that.
2: Thank you. And the the best part of it is really that we were nominated by one of our patients. You know, we don't hear a lot about chambers actually recognizing independent medical practices. It's more on the retail side and nonprofit side, obviously. But uh, that was a great on for us in terms of what we're doing and I think one of the things that we really enjoy you know reading from our, hearing from our patients and online where they talk about us is really what Dr. G does in terms of listening to the patient I think that's something that's kind of an art form of physicians that we've lost in, in the business of medicine because we have we have to see 40 patients a day that's the only way we can survive kind of a model right and, and the result being it's five minute, 10 minute tops that a physician ends up spending. And uh, I think the way the philosophy of what she has is really about understanding what the patient is saying and making sure that, you know, she gets to see the s- signs of it and able to spend that time that's needed. And uh, uh, as much as we want to really help the patients, the only way patient engagement goes both ways is really, you know, Engaging at that level, so it's definitely been a you know great honor to to receive that.
1: Sachin, you were describing some of the the data that you've gotten since joining Allade. Of knowing when your patients have been to a specialist, you know, a data platform like Allade can also let a primary care physician know when their patient has been to the hospital, when they're being discharged. It's a little bit crazy that that didn't exist for people before before being able to join a platform like Allidates. You know, you'd think with all this healthcare data, a physician could know what was going on with their patient, but the reality is typically you wouldn't know anything other than what the patient was telling you. Did you have any way to get data about what your patients were doing outside the walls of your practice before you joined an accountable care organization?
2: To be honest, no. I think there was only one initiative and I actually reached out to local hospitals early on before even I joined an an accountable care organization to see if they can communicate with us. One of the hospitals almost four years ago launched an initiative where they bought in a third-party company. What they did was, you know, this third-party company enabled a technology and a platform, and they would engage. They would reach out to each of the independent practitioners and say, hey, would you like to sign up this platform? And then there would be a representative sitting in the hospital, and any time a patient comes in, they will ask, who's your primary care physician? if they knew who the primary care physician is they would mark the patient record with that information and as soon as the patient is admitted and discharged if the provider was part of this platform they would get a notification so that was the you know the um that was the only option i had at that time and unfortunately they discontinued it because not enough physicians joined that because it goes only both ways like so then there are not enough physicians on it obviously you know it doesn't Give any value to the hospital to kind of keep patients to be discharged and with the follow-up care schedule right? But since then I've always been looking for opportunities. Unfortunately, the EHRs they don't do hundred percent of the job. I do I have been receiving some notifications over the years through my EHR, especially with hospital discharges, but some with more kind of pharmacy kind of notifications. but to be honest, beyond that, it wasn't at all available. Uh, but it definitely has been working great. I think one of the challenges that we've heard from a lot
0: of practices has just been how hard it is to run a small business in this business environment, and particularly with a tight labor market, a labor market in primary care specifically, that has been really stretched thin by COVID, by just overall workforce retention challenges. I know a lot of practices that we've heard in VBC have appreciated the fact that there is a payment model that is a little counter to the existing market trends. So it provides a little more stable source of revenue, especially one that helps practices who are navigating the ups and downs of both market cycles and issues like COVID. I was just wondering how has value-based care helped with your workforce and and how has it, how has it helped you kind of maintain that team approach to care that, that you and your practices rely on? I
2: wish I could say it has, Kind of really worked for us, and it has nothing to do with value-based care or holiday. It's just been the market and COVID, unfortunately. So yes, to your point, for the last three years, we have seen significant impact on the labor shortage that we have been going through, and um, I think part of it is maybe the burnout, just on the you know just seeing the overwhelming nature of that. Part of it is also just the exposure to it and, and having to lose, you know, work hours because of that. But, you know, there's also been situations where they just felt that I'll just take a break. I'll get disability income. That's good enough for me, kind of an op- option. In terms of just the burnout that has uh, led our staff to kind of move away from the healthcare as as a career, as an option to other retail options, for example. Mind you, you know, most of the staff members are only in their careers as medical assistants, administrative assistants, et cetera. So for them, what, what really matters is, you know, being home, accessible, taking care of their kids away from daycare. So for them, whatever gives them that flexibility is the most important. And But for us, you know, I wish there was a work from home option. There isn't. So I always really have to ask for all of my staff members to be at, at the clinic with us. And that's also kind of been um, a little impactful, you know, I have staff members leaving early because just school calls and then say hey there was an exposure things like that so overall i think you know we're still seeing some after effects of covid continuing in terms of the mindset of labor of where they want to spend time but there is a hope definitely they are seeing more and more come back into it into the into the market and into our health uh, hopefully that that's a good sign
1: when you're talking to other practices it sounds like you're a, you're a cheerleader for for value-based care, and I do know that even from conversations around Allited, that your practice really has been innovative and has really embraced this this model of of care to enhance patient health. What is it you say to other practices and clinicians and office managers when you're describing what it's meant to you?
2: Uh, the first thing I tell them is, you know, this is the this is where we are going as an industry. And I think you know we have what what we have as an industry has been spending on healthcare is unsustainable. And we all know that, you know, personally as well, even, you know, we spend $2,500, $3,000, how much of it is that you spend on your healthcare coverage, you still see that there's a lot more going out of pocket for yourselves. And this isn't a misnomer, it's happening more and more. So which means that we need to find ways to provide more value for our patients. And that has to you know, go around in terms of every physician, whether it's primary care or specialist or whatever. So that's number one. Number two is that as an independent practice, although it's dwindling um, in terms of able to practice, there is also reason for it, right? Whether it's administrative burden, whether it's cost of running the business, et cetera. But here's an opportunity for you to continue doing that as an independent practice, because I can tell them that after spending 15 to 20 years my wife, in employment model, can tell me right now that you know what. As much as how hard it is to run this practice or manage this practice, there is a, that independence in terms of providing the care the right way that I want. That you don't get it, you know, in you know, in a in employed model. And one of the mo- op- opportunities you have in in working in a value based care model and working with partners like accountable care organizations is to have a way for you to continue to be in that model and also grow in that model. And uh, I give simple examples, you know, you've been doing annual loss visits or transition care management services all along, but have you seen the opportunity for you to actually uh, make an impact with some changes to the workflow? Not much because most of it is already exactly what you're doing right now, but as a group, as a team of professionals, you actually have a bigger opportunity to own savings together, and now i don't have to prove it because some of the practices that have joined with me have over twelve hundred Medicare members, and I can see their smiling faces last year when they when they got their savings check right so I don't have to prove any more or for them to see the value of that model, so it, it's just proven itself and and this year we have taken a Enhanced risk models, which means that they will see even bigger checks for for all the efforts that they have put in in making the patients healthy, yeah, I really appreciate the point you're making that
0: these models have been in operation for a while, so there's yeah. more results we can point to. There's more proof points that practices can see themselves and and judge for themselves if these models are are right for them and their patients. So what are some of the things that the entire healthcare system as a whole can do to help support independent practices and folks who are leading the way with primary care like you are
2: yeah. So one of the things that we, we all are aware of is that primary care really hasn't been getting the attention it deserves. As much as we call ourselves or, or the industry calls us as the quarterback, you know, taking care of the overall health of the patient, et cetera, we're spending barely 5% of the healthcare budget on primary care. And there's a reason why U.S. stands, what, 11 out of the top 10, I guess, in terms of our cost of care versus the quality that we deliver. So. One of the things that we, we really need to do much more, both at the system level as well as, you know, organizations that's in that ecosystem, is to kind of see how we can increase, uh, you know, investments and budgets into primary care. It's relevant, and we have shown enough times in terms of how the outcomes have drastically improved if we do primary care the way it's supposed to be done. But we cannot survive in this model with such poor reimbursements. And a lot of times, you know, we, we go through every day, both in Medicare and the Medicaid pa- panel that we have, we are providing services that we're not getting paid for. But if we had put that up front as our motivator, we wouldn't be looking at healthy patients. So we end up taking or e- eating some of those costs just because it's important for the patients to have it. But I think that's super critical. Now, we have over 40% of our panel, which is on Medicaid. And you know, you know that's one of the poorest reimbursements in, in, our, in the industry. California is no different. But having said that, we continue to do what's right for the patient, but we also need models where we can support ourselves to, to, to deliver that level of care. So that's, that's super critical. I think primary care enablement companies like Allendate and like several others who are coming into the market is a great, bright spot in terms of how they are focusing on these primary care, focusing on independent practices, are really the ones that actually can bring more relevance to the primary
1: care. Sachin Kangupantula, Director of Operations at Valley Diabetes and Obesity and the Modesto California Small Business of the Year. It is very impressive how you and Dr. G are really harnessing the accountable care model exactly as it is meant to be used to, to help your patients stay healthy. And thank you for joining us on the ACO Show.
2: Thank you, Dr. Zell and Ryan for the opportunity.
0: This episode was produced by Leanne Horst, Alana Coogan, and Stuart Taylor. You can find more episodes of The ACO Show wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening,
2: and join us next time.